Society, as our chairman said, uh, I was born in Moscow and spent there most of my life. I came to the United States with my family in 91, and since then I didn't go to Moscow. And for that are special reasons. I can tell you that, of course, I was in more, more exactly, it was the Soviet Union all this time until I was there. And the Soviet Union does not more exist. And in what remained of the Soviet Union, Russia, science is in a very poor condition. So therefore, almost annihilated. And, and so therefore, you could think, I don't want to speak about my work, uh, because it requires more time and a more, I would say, specially qualified audience. But I will. Um, Nevertheless, what I want to tell you is uh, some experience which I got from the long life of my, long, uh, my scientific life and, uh, uh, and which can be useful for, I would say, no, independently on the, on the government, structure, political system, and so on. First, I wanted to say that all my life I worked on theoretical physics, but I did not intend, actually, to become a theorist. When I came to the, what I wanted to become was to become a physicist and an experimentalist. And when I came to the university, there were, in my university mates, and among them were some strange people who were or uh, either standing and thinking about something, or they were walking around the lobbies and uh, discussing, and when I just grasped some words of their discussion, there was some Einstein and Bohr and so on, and some complicated words which I didn't understand. And, and therefore, I thought that uh, in order to be a theorist, and so these, I was told that these are future theorists. In order to be a theorist, one must be one of them. And I was definitely not, because I belonged to a medical family, and of course there was no Bohr and Einstein mentioned in that family. Uh, so, uh, and, uh, so therefore I wanted to become an experimentalist, and uh, then I wanted, now it is a common thing for the young people, even undergraduates, to work in scientific labs. But um, at our time, people graduated the university, and only after that, they could come to some scientific place. I didn't want to waste my time, uh, and, and so, therefore, I um, uh, thought how to how to get into a scientific lab. Uh, I must say uh, that, of course, all of you are good students, and I was also a good student. But that, of course, is necessary, although not, not obligatory, I would say. But uh, there is also very much else which is important to become a good scientist. And so therefore that is why the purpose of my talk now, a lot of different things which make a good science, a scientist, yes, a part of being a good student. Uh, 
And I must say that uh, some of these qualities, uh, you know, uh, people never get uh, because there is nobody to teach them or they are unable to get them just by their nature and so on. So that is, uh, and, and they never become good scientists. So anyhow, what was with me? With me it was that uh, I invented, you see, all in all such difficult life situations, what I did always, it was just to sit down and to think thoroughly. Not to make fast decisions, but just to analyze various kinds of possibilities and choose the best one. Uh, that is, n don't hurry that always I said to myself and to other people, don't hurry. Hurrying is the origin of all mistakes and all misfortunes. So anyhow, I, I thought, and then I thought that, look, I can use my father. My father was a very famous doctor and member of the Academy of Sciences, and the only name in physics which I have heard was the name of Kapitza, who was also a famous scientist and, and head of the lab, and he worked with Rutherford, and he got the Nobel Prize also, and so on. So that was the only name which I have heard. And so I asked my father, uh, did you meet Kapitza in your meetings of the academy? He said, yes, I do. And do you know him? Yes. And then, to, so please tell him that you have such a son who um, has graduated uh, high school at 15 and so on, and so he's an able guy, and so maybe, maybe he would like to take such an able person to his lab. Okay, so my father did that, and Kapitza became interested. He invited me, and we had a chat. And the main, I would say, idea of his was that you are such a young man that you should not, uh, not concentrate on a narrow problem. You should learn uh, wider and, and uh, choose what you really want to do. But I said that, look, one must have some skills, and uh, skills one cannot get from reading books. He must work in some place and to get these skills. He agreed with me, but nevertheless, he, uh, after, when I uh, called him the second time, so he told me that I have, uh, I have decided what to do with you. You must speak with two of my co-workers. One is a theorist, the other is an experimentalist, and, and then you can make your choice. So the theorist was Landau, and Landau was a, almost a legend uh, because uh, you know, he got afterwards a Nobel Prize alone, not sharing it with anybody. And also he died pretty young, pretty young uh, after the car accident. He had, couldn't, couldn't work anymore in physics at 54. So therefore he was sort of legend. But everybody, all, in the, uh, all the world knew about him because he with his co-worker Lifshitz wrote textbooks on theoretical physics which are classical and which are used even now. So Landau put me at the table, gave me a sheet of paper, a pen, and said, 
So please uh, calculate the following integral. So that I did, not knowing what will come afterwards. Then he wrote some equation, differential equation, which I had to solve. That I also did. And then he said, he brought another sheet of paper and said, that is some program. You will uh, take this program, uh, study subjects, um, uh, subjects in this program, and every time you are finished with one subject, you come to me and I will uh, ma make an exam for you. So then I said that, look, I didn't, I didn't want to become a theorist. I want to become an experimentalist. And I said, look, that does not prevent you to, make, to be an experimentalist. You simply will be more educated. So I decided that he has a reason. That program was called in, in the people, among people the theoretical minimum. And Landau actually invented that program when he was a very young man and he came to Kharkov. And uh, since before that, he visited, he visited Germany, Denmark, uh, I don't know, England, and so on, and uh, made acquaintance with the most famous physicist of that time. Yeah, so everybody wanted to become his student. And so he uh, had to invent some way how to choose and also to be sure that, that these guys, they know something, yeah? And therefore, he created that menu, and that was also the purpose of writing of that course of theoretical physics of many volumes. Uh, but that came afterwards. At that time, uh, less than a half of that course was written. And so that I decided, I will do that. And then I went to the experimentalist. And the experimentalist looked at his watch and said, you are one minute late. I looked at my watch and no, I was absolutely precise. No, he didn't persuade that line. He was not sure that his watch was correct. And uh, so then what, uh, what, do you, what can you do? So in what sense? Uh, are you a radio amateur? No. Uh, can you at least solder something? Well, since I immediately understand that that is easy, so although I never did that, I said I can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then he said, no, and he was very grim, I would say. And then he said that, look, I'm building now a new building for my special lab and uh, it will be soon ready, and then there will be a place for you to work, and so on. And, uh, and, and you will work, and you will get also some room where you can stay overnight if you work so late that you cannot go home. And, and then I asked him, and how many days in the week you expect me to work like that? And he said, all the week. In, yeah. Including Sundays? Yes, he said, including Sundays. Then I told him that uh, since I'm a student of the university and still I must get my diploma, so then would you be so kind then to give me a, a, a break, I would say, for one month every semester? And during that one month, I will make all the necessary laboratory tests, pass all the exams, and so on. 
and then I can come again. And so I thought that if I will stay in that room at night, so during that playtime, I can, I can study the Landau and Lifshitz course, actually, and, and pass exams with Landau. So then, yes. so then when, so I asked him, and so then I said, I agree with that. And so he agreed to give me one month break. And then he asked me, are you serious? I said, of course, why not? So he said then, with a great sadness, and my son would not be able to do that. And after that, he changed absolutely his attitude. He became funny, he became friendly, and so on, and then we discussed with him just as friends. But you know, in the former Soviet Union, everything was constructed very slowly. There existed even such a word, Dolgostroy it was called, long construction uh, in translation. And, and that is applied almost to anything. It was for living houses, for scientific houses, and so on. And so I was involved very deeply in passing these exams with Landau. Nevertheless, I worked in some experimental lab, which was on, uh, at that time, they were interested in insulators and in ferroelectrics and so on. I, I spent, no, not very much time, I think two days a week, I went there and worked there. And I passed all, that is, ah, what is that? That is the last? Ah, my time is over. One, I wanted, that, that is part of my life, but I wanted to give you, uh, to leave you a message, uh, which is not connected with that. You see, when the product of uh, scientific work is articles which people publish, yes? And, uh, and so therefore, the more people publish, the, the higher is his reputation, and also it matters where he publishes. For example, in physics, if he publishes in the physical review letters, that is okay, or in nature or in science. These are three exceptional places. And in some universities, when they decide to accept a person for a job or not, so they just count the amount of papers published in these journals. Not their contents is important, the amount. Yeah. So, and in order to have so many publications, the rule is one must follow fashion. One must follow fashion, and, and, uh, and so therefore then the referees will write good reports and so on, and the editors will file, uh, print that uh, with pleasure. Uh, you know, and then, of course, his career will develop very fast and so on. However, he must forever for, uh, forget about the Nobel Prizes, forever, because he sold his soul to the devil. And you know, the devil does not, <laughs> the devil is, doesn't give back the souls. You know, I spoke with George Lucas here, and I said, he said approximately the same kind of things. And, uh, and he said, his words were actually that uh, I was happy when I was financially independent and I could do what I wanted and not to listen to Hollywood. You see, 
And I, after that, I discussed with him that science is very, very much close to that. And then he said, nevertheless, in my younger years, I had to make compromises. And you know, when I just jumped out of that, I realized that part of my soul is already has vanished. And I don't have that fervor of youth anymore, which I had in the very start. The, another thing which I want to tell you also, very short, it is that approximately one half of, of uh, discoveries which were uh, awarded the Nobel Prize were not accepted by the journals on their first time. No, they sometimes managed to put it in some less prestigious journals and so on. But the first reaction was negative. And about superconductivity, uh, the discoverers of high temperature superconductivity tried to, to print their article in the physical review letters. And of course, they failed. Yeah, they published that in the uh, in the uh, Zeitschrift for Physique, yes, uh, and then there, and the Japanese, yes, nobody paid attention except the Japanese. The Japanese like to repeat uh, other people's experiment, you know, and so then they repeated that, and suddenly they got confirmation, and after the Japanese already Americans started to repeat these experiments, got confirmation, and a boom appeared, yes, and so on. So, Opal, with that, I will finish. <laughs>